Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So I opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the brakes when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. So, hurling people are not happy, lads. We've had an awful weekend from different things. There's a lot of grievances that hurling people are unhappy about, Paul. I'm going to start with you here in the studio. So, the first one is Saturday night's game. Right. So a lot of people were very, very pissed off watching this game. Can't say I enjoyed it too much myself, but I'm not a hurling person. But uh, Brian Carroll, um, our own Brian Carroll uh, tweeted, he was at the game. He says, just back from Turles. And I have to say, hurling is in a dangerous place. Too many short puckouts, hand passes, lateral passes and most players filtering back. A terrible dig he, he has here at Gaelic football. He says it's essentially turned into football and I'm afraid that's not a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, he has a fair point. Um, it was it was a tough match to watch, to be honest, and I think it was kind of a lot of things fed into it. Um, there was a lot of freeze. It was a bit of a bad night anyway, weather-wise, but the way the two teams set up, um, Tipperary, we saw it in the Limerick match, they are deciding to sit back which I thought was just for really against Tipperary, sit right back, let them come on to you. But when you play against Cork, Cork will look for that short puck out anyway. So it was really leaving Cork with no option. And then Cork were just trying to play it up through the lines. And if they got anywhere around the midfield, sometimes they got a, a small bit of result off it. But it just didn't make for a great game. You knew as soon as it went down out over the far end line, Cork were doing the short puck out and there was hardly any Tipperary lads even in shot. So the whole thing just fed into a lot of long range shots. Um... You know, the overcarrying, the Cork lads overcarried quite a bit because they had no options up the pitch. Tip were blocking it out. So, overall, a match that we traditionally look at and go, Cork and Tip, brilliant in, in yeah. Turles. I mean, this is ideal. 
Uh, it just it was it was a tough match to watch now. Well, that was it. So, like you were saying, Tipperary were dropping off the Limerick puck out because mm. Limerick probably wouldn't go short, and they were narrowing down the pitch. We talked about last that last week, yeah. but of course Cork took everyone, Michael Carton, and it just Jesus, it reminded me of Gaelic football because there was nothing a cancer on Gaelic football was teams that conceded kickouts. You're taking a contest completely out of the game, and for me, Gaelic games are all about contests and hurling, especially. It's a man-on-man game, win your own battle, and this just looked like what is going on here like they're not even contesting these puckouts. yeah I had a pre-season game written all over it Willie. like it looked like just friendly and the two teams were just tiff or tat and there was no intensity to the game as such like, like I, I hate seeing cornerbacks getting a ball and running with it and it's, it's, it's needless running and running into trouble but I think Tip fed into Cork's game plan a little bit because it's, if one team you can't allow play out from the back it'd be Cork because it suits them down to the ground they haven't really got the ball winners in their half-forward line. So I can't see why Tip didn't push up and put, put Cork under pressure in that way, made him go long, and it would have suited Tip a lot more. Yeah, well, that made sense. Michael Dignan tweeted, he was another one really pissed off, and we know Michael Dignan's a tr- traditionalist, and there's nothing wrong with that. He says, Cork hit one long puck out in the second half, and Patrick Horgan scored a brilliant goal as a result. Since when did keeping possession and losing possession become, become an indicator of how hurling should be played? And I take Michael's point. Why would, when Cork don't have a, a good half-forward line, why would Tip allow them? Cork want that. They want to go up through the lines. And Tip allowed them. Tactically, it was a very weird one from Tip. Yeah, well, I think it, it, it's, it's one thing to say, that I suppose, Cork going up through the lines. But I think what Tip are looking at is that if Tip sit too far up the pitch, um, you know, and, and Cork will be brilliant. And I, I, I'd compare it even to the likes of, you know, the great teams that Michael played in as well. That, like, Dublin were very good at it as well by playing through the lines, moving and having great runners running up the pitch. I think what Tip were looking at it were uh, more so was if we sit right back, by the time those runners get up to the our end of the pitch, you're now running into Ronan Maher and Parik Maher and all these lads and Barry Heffernan and we'll have that area crowded out and we, we can squash them out and we'll, flick it, we'll get our flick away. We don't really mind if their corner racks get it. We don't mind them bringing up to the half-back line. They don't really shoot from range. Where Tipperary are probably the best team at shooting from range. So I think Tipper just saying, right, we'll sit right back and by the time that they get up to their half-forward line, regardless if, they, if, if people think they have a good half-forward line or whatever, well, if Coleman or Fitzgibbon or Patrick Horgan, by the time they get the ball, we should have enough numbers around to actually you know, stop any threat. We'll then move it back up. And then John McGrath is now inside with acres of space inside and or Jason Ford or whoever. So I think that's the way Tip we're looking at it. We'll just sit right back. Okay, it's not ideal letting Cork get the ball straight away, but by the time they get up the pitch, we'll just block them out. And we'll turn over the ball and we'll have our shots from distance. And if not, we'll get it we'll get a ball into John McGrath or Bubbles Dwyer or someone. Yeah, well that was the thing. Once or twice it worked for Tipperary Michael. Like I mean and Jason Ford gave a lovely diagonal ball across the way to John McGrath who turned and scored. But more often than not when you have a situation like where both teams are lining up similar two man full forward lines a sweeper covering them and then everyone in the middle all kind of jumbled around together and positions mean nothing it looked like it looked like Gaelic football kind of formations and I don't know like I mean can you get that quality supply into your full forward line when you've so many players bunched into that kind of middle battleground like it, it didn't happen that often for it to be a good tactic like I mean how much work do you need to get to free someone up to give that nice ball into John McGrath and stick it over the bar. Yeah, and even um, Liam Sheedy's uh, personnel that he started, like he started with a half forward line of Jason Ford, Noel McGrath, and, and Noel O'Mara. Like if you want that battleground in the middle of the field, you think Bon O'Mara or Dan McCormick would be much more suited to the half forward line if that's what you want there. Do you know, make it a battleground and then get the ball into your hurlers and to, to John McGrath in corner forward and, 
and even play, I'd play Noel McGrand there and, and have your hurlers in there rather than being in the battleground where them three players that they started aren't well known for battling and winning balls. And that's why I think, again, it fed into Cork's game plan that they were allowed to come out and they were allowed to play from the half-back line. I thought, I thought Mark Coleman and Cashman had a great game in the half-back line for Cork and it was more so they were allowed hurl, which I think if we changed up the personnel, that wouldn't have happened for Tip. So it was a strange game plan for me for, and, and a strange team he started to, to, if he was going to play that way. So, look, I thought Cork hurled well, but Tip didn't and he still came out with the results. So... Um, Everyone's talking about like I thought Cork played very well, but I think Liam Sheedy probably be the happier of the two teams because they they hurled it awful and, and still came out with points. So yeah, you went so Tipperary seemed to be in a bit of a, a a crisis here and changing what they you know believe in, maybe copying Limerick to a certain degree or trying to find out. You wonder why they're doing it. Uh, Sean Flynn sent me a message yesterday on Twitter, and during the first lockdown, he went through eighty two games over the first lockdown. Um, in the 17, 18 and 19 championships and he looked at the retention rates of passes hit into the opposition half and he gave this information to Liam Sheedy and they were winning 3 out of 10. Okay, yeah, You know, yeah, like, I mean, yeah. so, like I mean, Michael Dignan saying since when did keeping possession and losing possession become an indicator? Well, there's an indicator. Yeah. So when you're doing that and the other team isn't giving you those 3 out of, or those 7 out of 10 back, they're yeah. keeping it more. Yeah. You know, are, like, can we blame teams for going to this more possession-based games that the, tra- the traditionalists just don't like, Paul? But yeah. the reality is, like, why are you just going to give it away? Yeah, that's it. I mean, look, teams aren't concerned. When teams are sitting down having meetings, they're not saying, how do we look on the pitch? They're saying, where can we get better on the pitch and where can we improve? Tipperary will be looking at, you know, Limerick are the team that they're going to have to beat if they're going to win All-Ireland. They can beat the other teams. Like, I mean, if Tip played uh, Galway, Tip played Kilkenny, Tip played Cork, whoever they're going to meet, whatever style they play, they have the players good enough to beat them, but Limerick have constantly caused them a problem. Yeah. And I'd say they would have looked at that and went, well, well we're giving away, like you're saying, we're giving away 70% of the, uh, of the time. We're not winning the ball when we do that. So let's change it up and let's be ready for when we do play. Because if, if you're giving away seven of those balls, you're giving them to Dermot Burns, you're giving away to Kyle Hayes, you're giving them away to all these lads who are just going to turn around and punish you at the far end. So I think Tipperary are looking at it going, well, there's an area for massive improvement. How do we do it? We don't care what it looks like. We're just going to go out there win the ball and okay it now turns out that it's not great to look at but Tipperary aren't concerned with that Tipperary are concerned with what makes us beat other teams and what will set us up to beat every team and Limerick is the big one for them that yeah. because Limerick have kind of done away with Tipperary in the last few times so I think that's what they're looking at and Tipperary won't be concerned if it doesn't look great don't really care it's if it wins us matches that's what we care about well that, that's the thing but here's the thing like is copying Limerick the right thing for Tipperary to do based on the players they have you see Michael I have a big problem with this and it happened in Gaelic football for a lot of years where Donegal won the All-Ireland playing defensively and now everybody thought that we ha- we'll do the same thing so now Limerick have found this system that works well for them so say for example Tipperary have done these stats for three years Kilkenny might have done the stats but in the last three or four, five, six years, Kilkenny were doing it for a long time, you have half forward lines that are working like dogs all over the field and you have the half back line that's not following them. So those long balls are a bit of a waste of time because, the, you know, you're outnumbered in the forwards. Like, would, would a manager, Michael, not say, here, I'm not going to copy Limerick. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell my half forward line to occupy the Limerick half back line and I'm going to launch down a few, um, you know, high ones where it's six on six instead of you know, saying, I'm going to do exactly what Limerick do, even though I'm not as good as it, at it as they are. Yeah, it's a tough one. I, I agree with Paul. Like, Tip have such good natural hurlers. And I think with that game plan, it's not natural to them. Like, I remember 
uh, Lark Harbour chasing Tommy Walsh around the pitch one day, <laughs> where they tried to change it up to beat a different opponent. And it, it just, to me, it doesn't suit Tipperary Hurling. They're, they're, they're risky, they're skillful, they've top players all over the place. But that game where they want to match it up with Limerick, it doesn't really suit them too well. Um, Woolley. And I agree with you, you have to occupy the Limerick's half back line. That has to be done because they're too good starting from there. But I think it's a, it's, Liam Sheedy has to find the balance, the right balance of letting them go out and play and occupying that half back line, which are instrumental in everything Limerick do. So. Um, I just think it's probably the balance is off at the moment where they're going a bit too far away from what their natural game is. And it, you can see them players that they're, it's, it's not working for Tip at the moment and it's not clicking. But it's so early doors at the moment, but I just think it's a, it's a balance snack for Liam Sheedy. Yeah, see, this is the thing for Liam Sheedy, uh, amazingly, is now calling puckouts restarts. This is how <laughs> modern everybody's getting now. So, like, I mean, that annoyed me when I heard him saying it. Yeah. But here's the thing, like, it's always the case. So, like, you struggled against Wexford under Davy because the, the sweeper in your game was, you mm. know, Colin Fennelly and give him a long ball. Yeah. And you have, you have Sean Murphy at the time and he's cleaning up. So then you had to figure out, right, we're going to start playing. We'll have to get better with our sweeper. Mm. Whereas I was thinking why not play with seven forwards and five backs and give their sweeper someone to mark and continue with your long ball game? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Why, I always think that teams are reacting to what the other team does instead of saying, here, what are we good at? Yeah, yeah. Well, like The likes of that now with Wexford, like let's say if Wexford play Sean Murphy in, in there, what suits any defence is having huge numbers in and around, let's say, in your own defence, be it the other team or be it your own lads, because it just causes a cluster, a body of players that suits defences to the ground. Whereas if you have loads of space inside, so for let's say if we were playing Wexford and Sean Murphy was there, it doesn't actually stand to us to go send another man in on Sean Murphy and give him a problem because that's not a problem. He's a defender. He's used to marking people. Whereas now up our end, it's five on five. Loads of space for the Wexford forwards and defenders don't like space. Defenders like knowing the whole place is blocked up. So if you were to do that, you're actually playing into the hands of Wexford. What you're trying to do in that situation is go, Sean Murphy wants to stay behind there. He wants to stay on the D. How do we get Sean Murphy to come out? We don't want him to there. We want him to come out. So what do you do? You play the ball slowly up the pitch, as we're talking like with Cork. You bring it slowly and draw them out to you. Show them that we, we can put it over the bar from the 65. We're quite happy to do that. Now you have to come out on us. And once they come out, now you have the space and you can start feeding the ball in. So it's kind of asking yourself, what are they doing? Okay, well, what are they want to have a defender there. They want to crowd it out. How do we pull them back out the pitch? If Cork got it right at the weekend and they were really getting huge results off working the ball slowly up, you would have seen Tipperary come up the pitch and having to go, right lads, we can't give the puck outs to the cornerbacks. But Cork weren't getting huge results off it. They were getting points and they were getting scores. So there was no reason for Tipperary to step up. The teams have to ask themselves now, look, if they are crowding it out of the back line, and going back to your point of saying about Wexford and we encountered it against Davy, Davy caught us a few days with it because we had no response to it. Whereas then we were able to react to Wexford and we, we got a few over on them because we got Sean Murphy out of that area and we started getting scores and we put our game on them. And that's the big thing. It's putting your game on the other team, not trying to react to what they're doing on the pitch. Yeah. Do you, do you think Do you think all the reaction Saturday night was warranted? Do you think there's a problem tactically in the game? Do you think it's not as good to watch? Do you think, um, you know, do you put, should puck outs cross the 45? I saw some people suggesting to make it more of a contest. You know, mm. how, how did you feel Saturday night? Uh, well... 
Yeah, no, looking at the game, I think the game was the, like, I looked at the other games, trying to look at it the same way I looked at Cork and Tip. Um, the other games went long, you know, they went long with the pugouts, and it wasn't as bad. I think Cork and Tip was actually just the exception the weekend that it was really bad to watch, and that we all had it built up that Saturday night, brilliant, we were all going to watch this match, and it was going to be brilliant and loads to talk about. The other matches didn't really have it, but there was points coming out of it. I saw, you know, Eddie Brennan talking about, you know, making the ball a bit heavier because lads were scoring from such distances. Um... And, and there was lots of points coming out. There, there certainly would be an argument, yeah, that look, if a puck out has to pass the 45 and, and midfield, and I don't think too many people would argue if that came in. I mean, we're given out at the moment about too many rules coming in. Yeah. I think the one thing that was consistent across all the games was how strict the refereeing was and how many frees there were. That was the one thing that was consistent across the games. Whereas it wasn't consistent short puckouts across all the games. There was games going long, yeah. or there was puckouts going long. So I think Cork and Tip was the real exception where that was really tough and it had everything that we didn't want to see in the game whereas the other games didn't really have that they, they kind of stuck to what we wanted to do so I'm not overly concerned I still think once we get to Crow Park and once we get to the ground hardens up a small bit more the game will go back the way we want but there is definitely a few things being highlighted that certainly freeze yep there are teams really pushing the sharp puckouts, but I'm not going to push the nuclear button on it yet and say we're completely ruined. Hopefully yeah, not. Maybe, yeah. maybe I'm being too positive. <laughs> but Mark Holman, uh, Mick, said after the game, he says, the, it, I, I agree with you, Paul, because like Cork have always been extreme at this stuff. Like, I mean, mm. that's their style and it's all right to have different uh, styles. And you're right, Galway Limerick wasn't like that at all. Yeah. And Mark Holman, uh, Mick, said after the game, the game is evolving and we're trying to get ahead of it as much as we can. So I don't know, is Mark or Cork saying the game is evolving to a short game? We are a short team. But let's let's go short to the, the extremes that nobody's ever seen before. You know, yeah. like, I mean, like yeah. it looked it looked like because even Mark Coleman getting caught for overcarrying, giving a guaranteed point away just so not to get, puck it up the field. Like it, it was bizarre to watch at times. It was very bizarre. And, and Cork are a team of extremes, really, I suppose. Like if, if the game is going short, they're going shorter because that's just natural to their game plan. Um, there was actually five players done for overcarrying in that Cork tip game. So I definitely think, and, and across the board over the weekend, more lads were pulled up for overcarrying. So there's definitely something that refs are looking at um, this year is overcarrying because I've never seen so many people being caught out with it. It's also the fact that qu- that cornerbacks have been given so much balls and they're running out and they haven't really got a plan when they're coming out. They're just running bullish into into big half forwards and getting caught out. But um, look, when you see players like Mark Holman, you're right that time. I think it was like it's very unusual to see him get caught out with the body. So good at, with his decision making. But as you said, like he said after, they're going to stick to it no matter what the what if it breaks down. Sometimes they're going to stick to it. But I just think when they're meeting teams like it actually suits them a tip when they're meeting the likes of Limerick and Galway with big physical forward lines where they're trying to bring that ball out of their defence. I just can't see it working for them because they're going to be it's going they're going to be stripped too much. Yeah, it's well, going to go against them later on the championship. So I don't think it's a game plan that's going to win them in all Ireland. Talking about big physical forward lines, Limerick definitely have one. But Limerick are are probably we talked last week about the free count. So the free count against Limerick this weekend it was twelve four in the thirty fifth minute. Katiji Kahar put up a, a a stat. It was fourteen twenty two against Limerick at the end of the game. Now, John Kiley, I'll read out some of his quotes in a minute, but, like, I mean, this is just, for, I'm not a hurling person, but if I'm watching this closely and just thinking, what are these frees being given for him? Uh, Park Mannion got one early for using his bare hand, just pulled the arm and is a free immediately. Mm. It didn't look like much, but it was yeah. a free. Garod, Garod Hegarty, the time he got the yellow card and he went mad, he, he, he got the yellow card for dissent. Yeah. 
but he was tackling a fella. Like, it was Gaelic football. He was using both hands, slapping yeah. both sides. Like, I, I, I wish the referees would just come out and say, anyone tackling with the spare hand, or am I calling this wrong? Yeah. That it seems to me if you touch a man, even if it's innocuous, if you're using the hand that doesn't have the hurley in it, which is illegal, Paul, right? Yeah. The yeah. referees are blowing it. Yeah. I actually felt bad for Garrod Hegarty the weekend, I'll be honest. And I, I, I understood what he was getting frustrated about because referees are blown they're blown they seem to have had this conversation where if a lad puts a hand in there's all these frees going for if a lad puts a, a hurl in and I think genuinely you see lads putting hurls in to try and get a ball that the fella's rising and they flick your man's hand and it's yeah. a free and you're going that's accidental that's going to happen no one minds that I mean the lad who's even been tackled doesn't mind that but Garrod Hegarty was being blown for that and in the first half if you remember Garrod Hegarty's great point where he went down the line against Tui and hit it up a minute before that Garrod Hegarty, yeah. Tui pulled across Garrod Hegarty nearly across the head like. Um, he was either early or late, I can't remember, the ball wasn't in shot and he pulled across him. And Garrod Hegarty is, he's a manly hurler. Like He just kind of turned to the linesman and said, what was that about? The ball went out over the line, it was Galway, um, it was a Galway line ball then. And Garrod Hegarty didn't flinch, he didn't hit the ground, he just turned and said, Jesus, what was that about? Yeah. Like You know, you could see him doing it. And he went on and scored the point, but then he was starting to get blown for putting the hand in. And he was obviously turning to the referee saying, look, what's going on? Like, I mean, I nearly got decapitated on the sideline there, but now when I put the hand in, I'm not getting the free. And I was kind of going, I was looking at this going, I understand he's trying to tackle fairly. So I think at the moment with Limerick, I actually don't think, I looking at them, I, I have more sympathy for them than say that they're actually causing more frees. It seems to be that they, like they play this game, they're trying to get in and disrupt people, but the referees have obviously decided now to look, this spare hand, we're going to really go hard on this and we're going to really go hard on flicks. And But is that illegal, the spare hand? I, I get you with the flicks. Like yeah. The Macho Hanlon sending off was a joke. Like That ball was on the ground and he mm. was trying to... And I, mm. But the spare hand, why why don't Limerick lads just stop doing that and just tackle with the hurley like you're, like you're supposed to? Yeah, I get it. It's, it's probably just, like we talked about it last week, they're just playing right up on the line. Like, you know, they're playing on the edge and it's where I would say always great teams will play. They'll play right on the edge and push the limit. Like, if you're going in and you're trying to raise a ball with one hand, you'll put your left hand out and you'll, or let's say if I'm raising my right hand, I'll put the left hand out and you'll use that hand to try and disrupt the other player from getting to you. Likewise, if you're going in on a tackle, you'll put your hand in. They're just probably doing it a small bit more physical and they're just putting the hand in a little bit harder and they're being blown for it. I think, like, it'd annoy me if a lad was doing it to me now, but I wouldn't be overly given out. He's trying to tackle me it is a foul. That's the other side of it. Yeah. It is a foul. But I think it's a little bit, it's been called up a little bit too early at the moment. And that's why we're seeing loads of frees because it's, it's, an, it's an instinctive thing that players do. But now that it's been blown, it's hard to get, out, get that out of your game straight away. If you're blown for one free, it's not going to stop you doing it the next time because you instinctively just do it. So I think they're just in a situation where they're getting caught on the hop with this, with this, with this call that's been oh, yeah. made. Did, really, if you go with the hurl all the time, it makes a snapping sound. It's it's actually more obvious to refs. Like if you go with the hand, the reason you go with the hand is it's silent. <laughs> you can get the hand in. Honestly, though, that's like yeah. you're going with the hurl all the time. It's that slapping sound you're making, and you, there'll be yeah. more frees that way than than with the hand. And like if, if I can imagine Limerick's training matches fifteen on fifteen, and it's going to be physical, like Paul's like any team when you hear about the fifteen on fifteen matches, like they're physical matches, and you're, you're trying to bring that intensity then into a game day situation and. As John Coyley said after, he hasn't done anything. They're they're tackling the exact same way as they have done for the last three years. Yeah, but but there's a lot more uh, fouls for it. So like, he hasn't changed. They haven't changed their yeah. tackling style. Yeah. Nothing different. But yet the refs pulling them. So it's definitely a new new thing for referees. And and Joanne Cantwell said last night on League Sunday they would have a much bigger research team than I would here on this show. And <laughs> she she they obviously asked. 
the question and she said that the referees had said that there's been no instruction, that they're not doing anything. They clearly are, Paul. Like, yeah. There is. And John Kiley said, it does appear that the game has changed in the last four months when we've all been at home and someone has decided to take the tackle out of the game. I'd love to know who they were and when it was decided. And that's fair enough. And again, I say, why don't the referees come out? Mm. We are, because you know, before it was in Gaelic football anyways, I'm sure in Hurling, a referee might uh, say to the two captains before the game, I'm, I'm watching the freehand tackle. You yeah, know, or yeah. If they came out publicly and said, this is something we don't like, it's illegal and yeah. we're clamping down on it. John Kiley, that's on you now. Yeah, but yeah, right yeah. now the do- John Kiley's scratching his head saying, we're doing the exact same as we've always done. Yeah, that's it. And, and John Kiley, I really thought it was a great interview that John Kiley gave after the game because you could see the frustration in him because he was he was saying, we haven't changed anything. And they haven't. They're playing the way they play. Um, but like he said, while we were all away, someone seemed to have had a conversation to say, listen, we need to get rid of this or we need to stop it, which, you know, it is it is very frustrating. We're seeing, you know, 40, 40 frees in a game. I mean, but nothing has changed over the last few months. You know, we're only off the back of an Ireland championship. So nothing has changed. He was 100% right in what he said. And I think he was very passionate in what he said that you could see how frustrated he was that, you know, we haven't, we're not doing anything different. But now we're under a lot of pressure and we're being punished in games and we're losing games and drawing games because were suffering on the scoreboard because of free counts. So it, it is understandable and I don't know, it, 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 like you said, it's clearly been directed that we have to clamp down on this but no one's saying that we have. Like you said, if they came out at the start of a game, often we've been involved in matches and they say, the referee will say, we're going to punish the third man in. So if anything happens and the third man comes in and you go, fine, I've been told. And like you said, you've been told. No one seems to have told anybody about no. this and it's just happening. Yeah, that's the frustrating thing. John Kiley went so far, Michael, as to say, um, we had nobody watching the game here today and in 12 months' time, we're going to have nobody watching if it's 36 frees. So you look at 36 frees, you were watching Leash Dublin, I think there was 40 frees in that one. Yep. Uh, Donald Burke got bloody 18 points, <laughs> 16 frees. Like Jason Ford running a muck on frees, you have uh, Nyland running a muck on frees. And then yep. you add the two water breaks in onto that. Like, I mean, this is... And then you add Tipperary Conceit. You add the tactical element thrown into it. Yeah. And, like, there, it does feel like Hurling's reaching a point where it's not going to be the spectacle that everybody has known and loved and nobody complained about and people are changing it even though nobody's asked for it. Yeah, it's got to be an all-star team of free-takers. Really, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be picking, like, the star of each, each weekend. It's going to have to be a free-taker because like, they're in double digits and you expect them to be now and... I suppose before, as a team, in a back line anyway, we would have said to ourselves, these have a good free taker, don't fail them in the forward line. But now they can score from 80, 90 yards out. So you're saying the same to your own half forward line, don't fail their half backs. Because a good free taker can score from almost anywhere in the pitch. So it's just easy scores. And I think the Waterford-Westmead game had 48 frees in it. Ah, jeez. Someone only tweeted me, actually, if it takes 20 seconds for a free taker to take a free, roughly, on average... That's 16 minutes of that Waterford game was just taking up a freeze. And that's not in counting water breaks, sidelines, injuries. You're talking about 25 minutes of a 70-minute game of just stoppages. Yeah. Mm. Which I can understand John Kiley's point completely because all the talk on social media all weekend was how, how disappointing it was the last two weeks of watching the hurling. And everyone's been anticipating a great season and looking forward to it. And it just has to end now because otherwise, like, as John Kiley... It'll be some. You're wasting twenty euro if you paid into that game yesterday because there were some great scores, but it was just too stop starting. There's no flow to any of the games, and um, it's definitely time to for a change quickly. Yeah. 
Sidelines, puck outs, they're called restarts now, Michael, have you not? You need to get with the programme. <laughs> so listen, just to add another layer onto this, and you've both brought it up, it's Eddie Brennan was the one uh, tweeting this, talking about the weight of the ball. He says, Jason Ford and Ronan Maher hit two monsters from close to their own 45. Phenomenal striking, and there's plenty of others. But does the weight of the ball need to be examined and a debate had? So now we've got the game moving on tactically. We've got the water breaks. We've got all these frees. Now we have a case of these frees being given way out the field and we have an added element of the forward coming all the way back. Now this, we used to see Patrick Horgan doing this and we'd kind of marvel at it and go, geez, because he was the only one we'd see doing it at that time. Yeah. And now they're all going back for a pot at it. So now yeah. the game's slowing down even more, Paul. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's, uh, yeah, it, it seems to be, it's not only the fact that, look, there's there's always been lads like Shawnee McMahon and these lads were always scoring. It was nearly a novel thing when they were going back or Shawnee McMahon was taking a free um, and he was one of the only lads in the country that was kind of doing it. But um, at the moment, it's not only the fact that they're scoring from their own 45, but when you look at the ball, it's it's nearly travelling over the net, like, you yeah. know. So there definitely is an argument for it. Um, it probably wasn't the one that I would have been um, really saying, yeah, we definitely need to make the ball heavier because obviously that's going to disrupt the game in other ways and might be harder to score goals. I'm not sure. We, like, they changed the ball a few years ago. Remember we had that one, I think, 2002 maybe. It was a really springy ball and keepers couldn't control it nearly. I remember right. Brendan Cummins... He had, the, I think it was the three shots Tommy Walsh took the time and it just, he kept going back out to the 21 and that was a changed ball. Um, it is a good argument to have and it's certainly something that, look, if if we did have a look at it and it was trialled, I think at least we could have the answer that oh, it actually improves the game. So so did the ball get lighter from years ago or have the hurlies changed or how has that distance, the, the balls were changed or were made a little bit lighter, is that right? They feel, I mean, Mick, Mick, Mike, uh, Mick might yeah, contradict you, me here now, but um, y- y- like you'd often... I think they have changed. I mean, the rims are smaller on it now as well. Now, whether we're really getting into it, and that's down to another thing, but the rims on are certainly smaller. But lads are really getting specific as to what they want with their hurls. It's not a case you go off and get three hurls anymore. Like, you go off and lads have weights, lads have styles. Of course, lads had it back in the day, but they probably weren't as fussy. Lads really know what they want now. Um, but also, players are... It's not to say players weren't stronger back in the day. Of course, they were physically strong, but like the lads at the moment, every player is high performance and they're, they are strong and yeah. they are practicing these things. And, and their technique is getting better. Their technique is getting better and the ball is getting better. And, you know, the, the hurls are probably a bit better, or at least to, to, to the liking of the players. But there's lots of things that, that, that come into it. A heavier ball doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to change everything. Um, like, you know, you might put in a heavier ball, but lads are still going to be scoring. Lads are still going to be scoring from distance. So it probably isn't just going to be one. Thing. Maybe we just have to accept that players are, you know, going to be striking balls over from that distance, you know? Yeah, maybe that's it. What, what do you think um, about that, Mick? Like, I do take the Paul's point is in like a heavier ball. Is it going to be hard? Is it going to be different? You're going to be different catching it. You're going to be different poking yeah. out. You're going to be different free take. Like, there's a big diff. I'm sure it would change hurling in a big way, a heavier ball. Maybe not in the, in the way that you're maybe initially intended. Yeah, I, like, I don't think it will stop tactics like. For me, the first stop to changing the game is the, fe- the rest to let the game flow more. Because before we change any rules, that's the first thing I think we should try and do. Because the game doesn't need to be tweaked that much. It's been awful this year so far, but we've had fantastic championships with the light ball and with lads being able to strike the ball that distance. For me, it's the tactics that, that have come into it more than anything. So before I change any rules or anything, I'd like to see the refs just letting the game flow more. And I think every team in Ireland would want that. And every, so there'd be no giving out about it. A uh, heavy ball, I still think, like, you'd still have the short play, you'd still have the, 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 the spare man coming back. So I still don't think it would add 
adds to the spectacle that much, to be honest with you. You just have less scoring from distance and and frees being taken from, from distance. So I don't think it would change the game too much. So for me, the, the big thing would be just let the game flow more before you try any of these yeah. other options. I agree with Mick there, like, as in exactly what he's saying, that it's more the fact that the free was happening, that we're seeing Patrick Horgan and Jason Ford and these ads come back to take the frees. But if, like, some of those frees, if you have a look at why did they happen, okay, it was the trail in hand, and, and like Mick is saying, that the, the referees aren't letting the game go. Well, if the ball is in that position and it's not a free now, what I actually have is, if, if the play continues on, you have a player in the position, let's say Jason Ford's free from, the, the, from that sideline, from the near sideline, if that wasn't a free and the play just continued on, you have a player there who's being tackled at the moment. That score doesn't happen anymore. That long-distance score where players are coming out, getting time to set themselves, it doesn't happen. The play just continues. It's the fact, I think, that we're seeing 40 frees and that some of them now around the 40... It's highlighting more. If, if, if the game just played on, yeah, yeah. you might have one or two sc- frees in, in that game, area. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas it, that seems to be exactly what Mick has said there, that if the game just goes on, we're not now looking at players coming out constantly 10 times in a match to take a free from there because the play just continues on and you're not going to see a player shoot from there because he's now under pressure from a tackler or whatever. So it's probably the free, not the weight of the ball. It's the free being given away so many times in that area that we're seeing players now coming out taking the free. Too much. And, Too highlighting much. It. and another unintended consequence of a heavier ball is if you can't, if you can't score from as far out, teams might drop more bodies yeah. behind the ball because you, that long yeah. range shot isn't yeah. on which wouldn't be something that you would yeah. like at all yeah. you know and I'd even have concerns about scoring goals then if the ball's really heavy yeah. I mean are you going to be scoring on Owen Murphy Nicky Quaid and these lads with a really heavy ball like where do you have to yeah. put the ball yeah. now to actually you, you know like you, you want yeah. to see lads scoring goals the better the ball is the more flight in it the more chance the lad's going to hang it up like you know yeah. so a big yeah. heavy ball you're not going to see many goals because I, I would feel. Yeah. Basically, how we fix hurling is that it wasn't broken. Stop blowing all the frees. <laughs> and if, you yeah. wanna, if you're blown for the, for the free hand tackle, tell, tell every team that that's it and make them work on it. And then we'll have, mm. like, uh, Jesus, sure, the, the, since, the, since the game's turned into the Munster and Leinster leagues, they've been f- unbelievable championships. <laughs> yeah. What are yeah, they doing? Exactly. Anyways, we'll yeah. leave it there, lads, and we'll, we'll have a look at the Galway Limerick game after this. And the game takes on, can very, very often then take on a life of its own. What's tactics? I mean, you've got to make decisions and you've got to decide what you're going to do. And at the end of the day, you hand it over to the players and the players play, you know. The game was fast, was furious, was, it had everything really, you know. And you don't have too much influence on what's happening. What happened last year, it goes out the window or the year before or whenever it was. Tipperary, don't go away. The air, the air is the air. And the yeah. game takes on, can very, very often then take on a life of its own. Yeah, the heavy ball could be messy and we're just yeah. touching the surface of it probably yeah. there. Yeah, you know? yeah, like one of the things even like lads are saying like Joe Canning's sidelines and Austin Lees and these lads the sidelines, yeah. Sure, like the, and, and we're praising it at the moment saying isn't it yeah. brilliant seeing lads cutting lads over. I think, I think Chad Wire got one there the weekend for Leash as well. Sure, I mean the sideline. Yeah. So that, that, now you're suddenly getting rid of that as well for a, yeah. for a heavy ball. No, no, that's heavy messy. What's it going to be like after it rains? Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or if Donald Logue's put it in a bucket of water or something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it'll be like a rock right okay oh, <laughs> right we'll talk about this one here so 
All right, lads. So the game of the weekend was Galway uh, 26 points, Limerick 117. Just before we get into this one, um, Paul, you were making the point before we came back on that we we might, with a heavier ball, we might not even see side, we might not see as many sidelines and we're kind of marvelling at them as well. There's a lot, the heavier ball gets very messy. It does get messy. Like even, and, and not just like, I suppose Joe Canning has been the one that's been the, the leader of it over the last few years. TJ has been doing it. Austin Leeson, Chad Wire got one there the weekend. Um, yeah, it, it, it impacts the game in lots of different areas, not just, we're trying to solve one solution this has a knock-on effect for all other parts we're enjoying seeing sidelines go over the bar that's one area that would definitely suffer you know yeah no it definitely is so like I said Galway beat Limerick it, this this one had the feel of it uh, Mick like there was a marker laid down uh, yesterday Galway were sick of being beaten against Limerick there was a bit of niggle in it they wanted to win it they very clearly wanted to win it and it felt like you know it felt like an important win for Galway yeah, there's a bit of niggling as well, Willie, which we didn't see in the other games. There's a few afters, after tackles, and I just I think everyone enjoys seeing it because these two are starting to get a bit of a history together. And Galway oh, have come out losers a few times now, and they, I think Jane O'Neill set a stall out. He picked a great team. I think they got him on top in important parts of the positions. I thought their midfield dominated, which we haven't seen against Limerick before, really, especially for the la- over the last two years. So I think he set up a great team and. And the intensity was there from his players. We got it out of them. And and you still had Joe Canning to only come on. So, like, I think Galway are definitely the team of the league so far. And they're, they're, to me, they were really, really impressive, both physically, mentally, fitness-wise. They, they looked dominant all over the pitch. And I was really, really, really impressed with them yesterday. I, I was really impressed with them too. And, like, I mean, they mix it up well, don't they? Like, I mean, puckouts mm. go long, not too many short. They go short through the hands when they want. They've Niall Burke who caught... Connor Whelan scored a point which was back from 20 years ago where Burke f- fielded one on the edge of the square. You never yeah. see that happening against Limerick and threw it back out or whatever. They, they, they have a lovely bit of variety to their game, Galway. Yeah, they can mix it up big time. Um, and like Pierce Stadium's a hard place to go as well. Like we've always known it going up to Pierce Stadium. It's it's generally quite windy when you get up there and, and Galway always play well up there. Like, I mean, you talk about home teams and home advantage. Pierce Stadium, Galway just don't play bad up there generally, you know. So, um, and they're a big team. You look all around the team, okay, they have a few players that would be I'd say it's more so because the other players around them are so big but you know they're well able to mix it Limerick are a big team but Galway are probably the biggest team in the championship you know they're they're very strong players they're they're able to do it all I mean even though like Conor Whelan is an extremely strong player um, but his skill is is the thing you know him for he's a, a very skillful player you have Garrod McInerney and all these lads as well so um, no look like Galway are, they're, they're just so consistent they're a great team to watch as well and and I just think that any team they have no fear of any team. I don't think there's many teams that do kind of fear each other, but they would love nothing more than Limerick coming up there. And they got in their faces and you know, yeah. and they went in hard and they're playing a great brand. I mean, Mannion around midfield as well. Cahill Mannion is playing great at the moment and Davy Burke, for the half an hour he was there anyway, you know, you could see flashes of it again. Obviously, he went off with the injury, but they got a good 30 minutes out of him as well. So, no, Galway, they were playing with a bit of an edge. It was the edgiest match of the weekend as well. There was a bit of niggle, like Mick was saying. There was a bit of niggle in the match. And, uh, no, it was great to see. You could see that, look, Galway are in a good place at the moment. There, Joe coming on and there was a bit of hunger in Joe there as well. So, um, Galway are in a good place at the moment and it's yeah. good to see it. You have a bit of history with Cahill Mannion, don't you? Do I? Did you mark him out of it in an all in final 
I hope it did anyway. Oh, <laughs> I did. don't know. Did he score five or six from playoff you earlier in one year and then in the All Ireland final you you kept him scoreless? No, Gee, am I right or wrong? I, that? I don't know. That sounds good. I'll go with it anyway <laughs> if it does anyway. No, I, I I would have marked him a few times. He started in around corner forward and yeah. a few times and he would have he would have drifted out. And I remember it was probably around two thousand and fifteen I'd say he was I remember marking him in the I think it could have been Leinster final and then marked him in the All Ireland final then and he was a great hurler but probably had more giving him a compliment now he'd more hurling to hurl out the field than being in on top of me I suppose but he's um, yeah well see the thing was about him as well you knew he was sharp he was kind of a player you knew when you are on him this lad's sharp and if you give him space so you probably your game benefited then because you're always going to stay right beside him but he's yeah. a very talented player isn't he yeah he's a great hurler he's, yeah. he's a brilliant hurler very calm and he's deceptively fast as well like he looks like he's just cantering along and that he's not but he's a very fast player he's very calm but he is, he's all the hurling in the world which is great and around midfield suits him because he just picks up balls and we saw it probably more so in the Westmead match when he had a bit of space he was just sticking at the lad's hands and just every single time and he's using a very small hurl so there's not many lads going to hook him at the moment Right okay does he use a very small hurl yeah Yeah I think I saw a picture of him there it looked like a wooden spoon he was holding it was, it was a tiny yoke so uh, there's lads it, 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 he's, he, Is that not to be hooked or is it, but he's able to hit from distance would that affect you I'm thinking of a one iron and a nine iron uh, based on yeah. length <laughs> Is there any similarities I don't, think, I don't think Mick can tell you more I don't think it works off the same principle I, no? used, to, I used to hurl basically to clatter lads it wasn't so much so for whatever but uh, I don't know Mick might tell you more about the length of it but I've seen the same Victor as you, Paul. Actually, it, it looks like a size for you, Hor, which for him would be like say two, three inches t- short for yeah. most players. Yeah, but yeah. You're right, Willie. His striking for such a small hurl is phenomenal, and especially striking off the run. But he glides across the floor. And we yeah. talk about players running and getting bottled up. He never seems to get bottled up, and he always has options outside him. And you can see his head up from the second he gets the ball, and his decision making, even when he's under pressure, he, he always takes the right decision. So. Um, he was phenomenal, I thought, against Limerick, and he's so so difficult to mark because of his pace and his awareness on the ball. So um, you have to keep him fit because he's so crucial to everything that we do. Yeah, and David Burke was brilliant in midfield before he went off. It was yeah. sad to see him going off because you know he, he he had been playing so well. And then Joe Canning came on in midfield, and then mm. you've Johnny Cohen in midfield. They've loads of options for that midfield. Whether the likes of Cottle Manny and Joe Canning is a right dynamic there for midfield yeah. is probably questionable. Yeah, I think they were just more so just getting Joe on the pitch. I mean, yeah. people were saying that I don't think Joe will be midfield. Um, again, we were talking about when we get into Crow Park. You know, you want Joe in around the centre forward. You want to t- keep, probably keep him away from the full forward line at certain times. The majority of the game around the half forward line. But they do have options there, you know. Johnny Cohen, huge engine. Davy Burke. I mean, if they get Davy Burke back fit, I mean, captain of, from a few years ago, man of the match in an All Ireland final, gets huge amount of ball. It's great for teams like uh, Mick. I tell you to have the midfield sorted out, to have two lads in there that you just know once they go out, they're just going to hurl. And they seem to have a few options. They have either Mannion, they have Johnny Cohen, they have Davy Burke. Hopefully, once he's fit, they seem to have a good few lads to put in there. Which not, I don't think a lot of counties can say that they don't seem to know. A lot of counties don't seem to know who they really want. They might have one player consistently but they seem to use the midfield really well and they seem to have good few options at the moment I don't think we'll see Joe there come, come championship No probably not uh, Joe Canning obviously made a huge impact uh, Aaron Galan made a huge impact as well uh, Mick you know like when you see these very very top level forwards coming on Cheese um, Galan his first point was unreal he, he faked the hand pass and then went back onto the stick and just like you yeah. could even when you, see, when you hear about wrists you could, I could seriously see his wrist almost bloody breaking kind of flicking that over without much of a back, a back swing yeah, because I was really impressed throughout the game with Gerald McInerney. I thought he had a really good game for uh, Galway. And he, he was playing really well against Seamus Flanagan. It's just, Galan offers so much more for me. Like he, How he didn't get hooked for that first score, Willie? Because 
Like, McInerney was right on his shoulder, exactly where he should be. And I, I'd say McInerney even said to himself, how, how didn't he get that? He's just so risky and he's so aware of his surroundings when he's on the ball. He knew exactly where McInerney was and it didn't bother him. And he just shortened the grip and he didn't take a full swing. Sort of one of them little half swings that are, like Paul would tell you, it's impossible to hook. And um, it's just his awareness. And he made such a difference when he comes on. He gets, he seems to find space where other players really struggle to find it. And and then you see Keane Lynch popping it to him. They have a great relationship and he just found him in the corner for his next score. And um, like when you see someone like that coming on and you're tired and <laughs> you thought you'd done a good job, it's just a nightmare, you know? <laughs> yeah. He came on for you and Cahill O'Neill. Like mm. it didn't happen for him. He kind yeah. of put a shot into the goalie, a, a weak enough shot. He missed a point. He's only in the leave insert. Like, yeah. is, is that harsh to take him off at half time and not say, here, look, we'll give you the full game or is it just cutthroat business and, you mm. know, put my arm around you and, what, you know, how does John Kiley deal with a young fella like that? Yeah, look, I suppose for Cahill O'Neill, it was, I mean, obviously you have no concerns. He, I mean, he's a huge prospect for Limerick to have and I suppose understanding stepping in there, um, I mean, you're stepping in again in, into a great Limerick team. It, it can be very daunting, I'm sure. Like I hurled uh, when I think it was 19 or 20 in midfield for Kilkenny I was actually marking Alan McCrabb it was it, down in um, down in Kilkenny at the time and it's just daunting probably looking at lads you know daunting yeah. looking at your if I was looking at Henry and the likes of these lads and you know you have Cotton O'Neill going and it might have been the reason it might have been look he just might have you know fluffed a few shots I'd have no concern about it whatsoever and he shouldn't either at the same time it's I think it's it's no harm look if you're taking a player off like you could leave him on, but sure, he could make more mistakes True. and so on, and he could he could kill his confidence a little bit more. Look, he'll be fine, and I hope he will be fine after it. It, it happens. He's nineteen years of, years of age. He's playing against a great Galway team who's not going to give him an inch. At the same time, you know, you're playing. You're up to the age. There, like, there is no safety net here anymore. John Kiley took him off. I mean, John Kiley's looking at a bench there of Aaron Galan, Tom Morrissey. You know, all these lads. He has yeah. any amount of boys to put on. So. I mean, you, you kind of put feelings out the window there as well at the same time. And it's a growing thing. I think it's just a learning learning curve for Cahill O'Neill. I have no fear about it whatsoever. Um, it, it, it's just part of the game and I'm sure he'll flourish for it. And the other side of it is, he was taken off today. The day he gets to stay on, he knows I'm after earning this here now. So I think it's it's good to have the balance there of, look, if he's not playing great, take him off. And the day he stays on and performs really well, standing beside Aaron Galan or Gerard Hegarty or whoever, he'll go, well, I earned it today. And that'll make him learn even that little bit more, I'd say. Yeah, Tomás O'Shea always jumps into my head when I see that. He was taken off at halftime in his debut. He didn't turn out too badly, so he was getting yeah. <laughs> But like, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's probably difficult. Only 117 Limerick scored. Like, I mean, from memory, uh, Mick, like that points tally is as low as I've ever seen Limerick scoring. Yeah, and it's down to, I thought uh, Galway's half-back line, back line in general, were very good, Willie. They were on top of their men. Like, Limerick struggled to get space. Um, I, I just think that Shane O'Neill nailed it, like, with his team and physicality. And they matched them. And they, as I said, Paul said earlier, they had a good mix between short puckouts, long puckouts. They kept Limerick on their toes. And, um, and I think that's what you have to do. You can't... When you're playing against Limerick, you can't play into the... If you try and play out of the back line, they'll, take, they'll dispossess you all the time. And Galway mixed it up, matched them physically, and um, there's nothing, nothing really else you can say. Just they hurled really, really well. I think the, the find of Evan Nyland for freeze as well, it might free up Joe a little bit for Galway. Just a little bit less pressure that he can go out and play when he wants to. And I just, from a Galway perspective, I, I don't think Limerick did anything too bad. 
I just think Galway were very good. Mm. Yeah, maybe. That, was there anything tactically they did with the half forward line enough into Burke followed Gerard Hegarty mostly everywhere he went? He wasn't able for him, but he yeah. did follow him, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there anything tactically they might have been doing different like, to, to kind of nullify Limerick's kind of known system at this stage? Yeah, no, I, th- I think they just dragged him into the. We're talking about this kind of. They, they also would, I suppose, the battle area inside the middle of the pitch. You know. We, we said already Galway are big men if you bring them into that area they'll cover the ground so well and they'll get their frick and they just disrupt it. what teams are looking at to do at Limerick now is disrupt them in that area try and crowd them out try and get, stop them from taking shots and Galway are very good at that they're well able to cover the ground they have big men they didn't do anything that specifically you go they had one tactic here that completely worked like when Cahill, when let's say Conor Whelan or whoever didn't have the ball you could see them running around chasing and flicking and winning the ball and then winning a the free and it just disrupted Limerick it was more so what they were doing when they didn't have the ball even all their forwards are fighting and tackling and flicking and just disrupting Limerick it was no one great tactic it was just seemed to be work rate that they they heard really well and it was great to see it and it, it was like Mick was saying it's very encouraging for Galway you couldn't say that it was a bad Limerick performance it was just a very good Galway performance so, so sometimes actually I, I always like when people drag Limerick into this cork dip short uh, game Limerick don't for me I as just a kind of a, an observer of, of hurling I could see why cork might have been you know a bit jarring on the eye I always find Limerick l- brilliant to watch I don't like all their puck outs were going long there was plenty of contest they'll give it to you whatever way you want they'll give it in long the odd time usually diagonally but it's a contest again yeah. well, why, are, why do Limerick get pulled into this kind of you know it's gone too tactical yeah I, I, I think well, we're all looking at Limerick to see, I mean, any time you have a champion, people look and see what, what are these lads doing that's different. And we we see at the water breaks, the whiteboard's coming out and that it's all tactical and, you know, uh, Knurk is in and he's doing all this. But what Limerick can do, and Mick was saying it even as well, they can mix it up. Like, they'll, they'll take a sharp puck up, but the next one, they'll land it down on top of Garot Hegarty and they don't care, they don't mind. And it's, it's because they don't have to play it any one way. And I think what a great thing as well, a, a big thing for Limerick is that once you push your game plan on them, they're able to turn it back around. They're able to go, right, we'll go to our plan B here, whatever that is, and get you back playing the way we want to play. And that's what they're able to do. So if you want to stay off them, no problem. They'll take the sharp puck out. They'll work it up. They have players all over the pitch who will confident either run with the ball, break the tackle, keep going, whatever you want to do, or they'll fight you in the air. They don't mind. So... They can play it any which way, which I think we're looking at Cork the weekend. They only wanted to play one way. We're playing it short and we're going to work it through. And that's why it looked different. Cork weren't playing like Limerick play. They were playing one way and that was the, the Cork short puck out way. Yeah. So to, to compare both of them the same, I don't think it's the same because the majority of the Limerick puck outs were going long. But they're just they're happy to play it short if you want to play it short. Yeah, I think that's probably it. Uh, do you have anything to add to that, Mick? Oh, like uh, Cork play laterally sometimes, Willie. When you see the short game, it's... Uh, Record for me, they play like they might go from a centre back to wing back or vice versa, full back to corner back. Whereas Limerick play through the lines with speed and with purpose. Like when they give a ball, they might give it to Keane Lynch, but someone's moving at 100 miles an hour and he's popping a small hand pass in a crowded area, but they're accurate with it and they do it with purpose and they go forward all the time. I think, I think that's the main difference. Like, they, like Limerick do mix it up, but when they go short, it's going short for a purpose. And then when it gets to the right man, he takes a shot, they don't overdo it. So I think that's the big difference between Limerick and uh, and Cork for me. Yeah. For me anyway. yeah, no, I think you're right. I, for me, Limerick and Galway are the two best teams to watch at the moment. But uh, um, So it was good to see them playing each other. If the referee just let it flow a little bit more, <laughs> a bit more and that it lasts. Yeah. Right, we'll come back with performance of the weekend. Uh, 
after the match with uh, you know with Marty Morrissey and the Marty squad and you know the big the big thing for me yesterday with Clare hey, versus Galway was hang on did you ask permission to do the Marty squad there well uh, well, right. well I well I didn't <laughs> I didn't but I was only a special guest. Last Thursday, you asked me the same question when I started bubbles, and I said it yesterday on the March squad. Says yes, I would have started bubbles for that game yesterday. That was the first I heard of Johnny Green coming back with the Galway squad. You know, I was asked yesterday in the March squad. Here, Damien, are you getting paid for Marty squad jokes on our show here? <laughs> That's three. Wait, no, I do, I do, I, I do that completely voluntarily. <laughs> <laughs> Move away from the mess in there, lads, right? <laughs> we have a serious show to do here, right? <laughs> All right, so performance of the weekend, lads. The first one I wanted to mention was Barry Heffernan. Um, you know, not one of the stars of the Tipperary team, Paul, you know, when you, when you look at it, but very, very solid. Did a great job on Dara Fitzgibbon and got two points of his own. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a great performance out of him. Um, and, and like you said, there's other lads who will probably grab the headlines for Tipperary, but um, what Barry Heffernan just seems to do is whatever job they give him, he goes out and he does it really well and he just sticks to his job. And like that, seeing him just pop up with two points there as well just shows how adaptable he is. He's very consistent. He's a, he's a really consistent player. And it, I think Liam Sheedy... You know, he solves a lot of problems for Liam Sheedy because Liam Sheedy knows he can put him around a lot. It's similar, I suppose, to the likes of Parik Walsh, even with Kilkenny or... Um, maybe even like let's say Crummy with Dublin and stuff like he can play him in a few different positions and he'll go out and he'll do a job for you in that position but uh, yeah he's an unsung hero I suppose really of that Tipperary team but performs really well and really did a good job the weekend and, and an important job in, in, in marking Fitzgibbon Yeah what, what do you make of Fitzgibbon uh, playing wing forward Mick because the week before he played midfield and we all know it's the same in hurling and the same in football if you're playing midfield there's a bit of an ego about it and you're not man marking each other and you're both you know trying to force your game on the other the other player and you're not being marked as such whereas if you're playing wing forward now you have a wing back who might go right I'll give up I'll follow this lad around the field why would you yeah. play Dara Fitzgibbon who's such now I know it's only the league and they're experimenting but surely for the championship it's counterproductive for Cork to play Dara Fitzgibbon in any position now if he plays midfield he might get man-marked, but now Tip have to change their team around to put Barry Heffernan into midfield and, you know, move a midfielder maybe somewhere where he's not as comfortable. It, it doesn't make sense to me to play him wing forward. No, and you can see a little bit of his frustration, Willie, because he's sprinting around the pitch trying to get on the ball in the half-forward line. He's going across. But if you're using so much energy, we are not getting anything at the end of it. For me, he has to be midfield. He's... He's so good in the ball, he's so energetic and he brings everyone into the game around there and he can get scores. So like, you hit the nail on the head, you can be man-marked at half-forward half hour much easier than you can at midfield. So like, he should be midfield all day for me. I, I know Cork obviously don't want to probably lay, lay out their stall for everybody to see so early, but I think it's just going to be an obvious choice of him being midfield. Because he's, much be- he's much better and much more influential in games there. Yeah, what do you what do you think? It's probably yeah. like again they're trying that Tim O'Matney was midfield. He played great yeah. wing back, so it's not like we're reading into it. It's just yeah. in general, I suppose. Yeah, I think they're they're just trying out a few things, and um, I suppose you you never really know until you play someone in that position to see. And it's probably a good a good thing in in some ways to see that he went in on Barry Heffern. They know now, like they're kind of saying, right? Well, if we play a tip um, in, in in the Munster Championship, right? We might we might put Fitzgibbon there. We're going to get more um, rewards out of him playing in midfield. So if if Corker look. 
at it in a positive in that way. Like, look, we, we know now, at least we don't try this in championship and we're not getting the results. He is more effective. And, and like Mick was saying, he was going back and forth across the pitch. You want Fitzgibbon running towards the goal. You don't want him going across the pitch looking for a ball. Play him midfield, let him work off Coleman or whatever he wants to do, but let him have the freedom to do what he wants. Yeah, exactly. Mark Coleman got man of the match in, in that game. Jeez, he's just perfect for that sweeping role. We spoke about this on the show before. It was like when he's playing wing back, how do you free him up for the spare role? It's just because he's so good on the ball. And that's why it was so surprising when he was done for the overcarry in the time. It's like, what is going on? How was he? And why, you know, how could he not see someone? Like, I mean, he, he's just, he's almost overly confident on the ball. Am I, am I you know, <laughs> do you see what I mean, I, I, Paul? Yeah. I love him. I love him. I think he's well, a like, smash baller. His distribution is unbelievable. I think he's one of the best in Ireland at it. And he covers across that line. He's, I think it's perfect for centre-back because you get him on the ball more. He covers across that line. He's so pacey. He's, he's behind his half-back line all the time. He's there for support. He can take a score, but his, his distribution is second to none. So I think it's a really good move for Cork having him there. And, um, it'd be a nightmare if you're centre-forward because you have to watch him all the time. <laughs> you can't really concentrate in your game. You have to keep an eye on him all the time because he's so influential. So um, I, think, I think it's a great move for centre-back for him. Yeah, it is. Uh, I, I agree with you, Mick. It's um, like centre back has changed over the years, where you would have seen the likes of Ken McGrath and these lads and high balls coming down and winning these balls. At the moment, because we're talking of well, Cork's game is playing through the lines. Where is Coleman going to get the most amount of ball? It's centre back. It doesn't really matter what the position is. It's just where is the ball going to be most where we can use him? And centre back is ideal. It's kind of a in some ways it's like a Tyg de Burka, similar. Like Tyg de Burka is great on the ball and it's great to get him on the ball in defence. So centre back sitting back. Now it's a different role, but if you're going to work the ball out. Out and you have Coleman there I mean he was blown for freeze but again I think that's going back to our earlier point of the referees are really blowing it up very quickly here so it's a great role for him he's just really he's, he's a joy to watch he gets the ball he's calm he looks around and he's trying to pick out the best pass and they're getting the most out of him at that centre back role Is he so. too calm on the ball? I don't think so to be honest like <laughs> not to be going back to the point of the, 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 the whole steps but I think it was Costello was it for a cornerback for Limerick the weekend I think that was the example of the weekend of the steps being blown up and it's similar to Coleman it was blown up a little earlier Costello got tackled the weekend his boot fell off and he was only after taking three steps and he got up and hit it and he was blown for steps and I said geez that's very yeah. harsh now so I think Coleman was last year he probably would have got away with it to be honest he just took a small bit too much out of it uh, and again, he'll know for the next day. Just get rid of it a small bit quicker. But yeah. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't have too much fear for him. He's, he's actually gas. He's so comfortable on the ball that somebody could be hanging out of him, tackling him, and he's not even entertaining him. He's still just looking up the field. He played into his hand. It's like he's not being tackled, and there's somebody ferociously, you know, after yeah. him. He's he's just so comfortable on it. Um, one t- a technical thing on this is that he's the sweeper, Paul, but he takes sidelines on both sides. Now, does that yeah. make sense for someone who's supposed to be, you know, covering to be dragged to, to, to both? Is t- traditionally, I presume, it's the left half or the right half back or left half back yeah. that takes them. Yeah, I mean, it's probably just the nearest man to the ball will take. Um, and that's if, unless you have someone who is, really isn't good at sidelines, which at the county level, you shouldn't have that. But um, yeah, traditionally, that would be the case. But again, I think... Cork are probably just thinking they're looking at the, the, the sidelines as this is a kind of a place ball situation he's very good at him he's very consistent so again they're probably looking at from the point of view that um, look w- w- he could use this sideline very well it's probably I, I, I'd like to see Cork maybe step away from that I mean I'd like to see a case where the nearest man to the ball is confident enough to take a sideline and you're only talking about cutting the ball up the pitch or whatever you want to do with it so the fact of giving Coleman all these jobs 
it's probably putting too much of a, an emphasis on him to cover. We want you to do all these things and that you're at centre back but you're going to take the sidelines. Uh, Cork should nearly be in position that anybody that's close to it go off and take the sideline there. Yeah. It's a sideline cut, cut it first there. Like, <laughs> Mick, you'd be insulted if you saw a centre back coming over to take your sideline. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was there when I was there, so he couldn't take them anyway. So, <laughs> uh, no, but I'd like to see him on the end of it, Willie. Like if a half back gets sideline, like they're they're taking quite quickly this, these days. And if he's spare at a half back line, they should be just fifteen yards to him, and then he's on the ball, and then he can do something rather than him taking it and passing it to someone else, because he's the best man to have on the ball. So, well, like Paul said, yeah. I'd have to have take it. Well, that makes perfect sense. If he's a spare man, Mick, like like you're saying, can whoever's closest to is just not whack it along the ground, you know, like a, a, a quick golf shot to him. Now he has it in his hand. It it looks funny to me if that he's 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 constantly coming over taking these. Yeah, he is a specialist, Willie. Like he has, he's probably one of the best sideline takers in Ireland. He's excellent at them. But again, if you're hitting the ball sixty yards up the pitch and it's fifty fifty, I don't see what the point is. But that's not Cork's game plan anyway. So. It makes much more sense for a halfback to run over, quickly take it and pop it 10 yards to him and then let him do his thing then with the ball in hand to be much, much better attack. So it does make sense just to have a wing back taken. Yeah, Gerard Hegarty, another one, lads. Like he gave Fint and Burke a terrible time, really. Like from puck outs, the, the time the, or the point he got where he let the ball beat him down the sideline. Like, just, yeah. this lad's just brilliant, brilliant to watch, isn't he? Like, I yeah. mean, and there's devilment in him. He can win puck outs. He's big, he's skillful. Yeah. Like, he's just, he's, he's the all round player of the year, really, isn't he? I yeah. don't see anyone coming close to him at the moment. Ah, yeah. Like, he's a force at the moment, really. And he, like, he knows what he wants to do and he's very comfortable letting the ball beat him. And then he's just gliding down the pitch after it, get it up into hand. And for, even for a Seamus Flanagan's goal, like, I was watching the replay of him and he just had the ball and he was solo and I was looking at him going who's going to come out and tackle him because you know he'll as soon as you get to him he won't even break straight he'll just have the ball in the hand you'll hit him you'll bounce back off him and he'll just continue on so it's the fact that he has such great hands he's very calm but how do you stop him I mean he's such a big man and he's running through he just creates such a hassle and for you know, for Finton Burke to be under that much pressure with him, it just shows uh, how well he's playing. But he he just seems to be in his zone at the moment where, you know, he doesn't just give him the ball. It's not a case that he needs any type of ball. He'll just get the ball down to him and he'll do whatever you want, put him wherever you want. So it's a it's a good place for Garot Hegarty to be in that he just wants the ball. He doesn't he's not fussy and it's a case of you come and try and deal with me controlling the ball you know? yeah he's a great temperament as well uh, Paul like I mean he, you don't often see him getting flustered and if he was ever to get you know a mm. bit fed up he would have yesterday and I thought Dermot Burns showed great restraint at one stage too he was being goaded a little bit and John Kiley was talking about Galway and simulation and stuff yeah. but they were definitely in Burns face but then Burns lost lost the head a little bit at the full time whistle and he yeah. leveled f- Flynn but there's nothing ever nothing came of that then did there no not well, nothing that I knew I, I was expecting to maybe see a red card or something because I just saw a red card after the whistle you see that's what I'm wondering I don't know I presume you can yeah. like I mean I, I mean if if lads on the line can get a red card why can't you get suppose, a red card after? Yeah. I, I don't know to be honest um, and I saw there was something there but look I mean um, like it probably was just a case of we we're saying earlier that there was a niggle in the game but they, they do keep their head and Garrod Higarty in fairness we said at the start you know, I had a great respect for him because he's the hurler of the year. He is Limerick's kind of. There's so many lads around him, but if you stop him, you'd be a long way towards stopping Limerick. But he keeps the head, and he. I, I was, I suppose, a little bit frustrated for him yesterday, where he was clearly just turning and asking, "What's the story?" You know, I'm getting hopped off here, and just because I'm six foot four or five shouldn't mean I'm, you know, exempt from getting freeze. And at the same time, he was going in and not really 
you know, he just putting in the hand and freezer being given away. So he kept ahead, which is a great, great trait for him to have. And uh, it's just something I suppose he's realising at the moment that look, freeze are being given away in one in in one area quite handy, and I'm probably not going to get a freeze as easy, and that's just the nature at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Donald Burke, he loves playing leash. Unfortunately for us, Mick, he got 18, <laughs> four from play, 165. Um, like we said, free takers can't believe they're looking the modern game. Like this is the new quarterback uh, role now. You're going to be on the ball the whole time. <laughs> like was he impressive? Because I know against Leash last year in Crow Park, he scored a load of frees, but he was. Very very impressive in the game as well. Yeah, he's a lovely hurler, Willie, and he comes out towards the middle of the park and Connor Burke would go back as a sweeper for Dublin and then Donald Burke would be in the middle, but he's just, he's excellent on the ball, he's great composure for a young lad and he's striking a second to none, so like, I think the freeze help him, they give him a bit of confidence when he gets a few on the board, uh, you can see the difference on him on the pitch then when he gets the ball, he's much more confident and um, he's quickly becoming, like with, with Connell gone and retired, he's quickly becoming Dublin's talisman he's probably their most consistent player at the moment so um, himself and Danny Sutcliffe are uh, are the two go-to men for Dublin but uh, he's, hur- he's hurling great and he has loads in his locker he works hard his distribution is excellent and he's a great free taker so um, it's, a, it's great for Maddie to have him there Yeah how, how did Liam Rush play as that kind of spit was he freed up as that spare man you mentioned Burke no, going back no, centre back they have him marking and they bring Connor. Connor Burke's excellent spare man. He goes across the field very well. So they have the six backs sticking to their man, including Rushy. So um, all right, and playing kind of like a Wexford sweeper then. Yeah, yeah. So Connor's coming back and going, just plays just behind that half back line and mops up any ball. And he again, he's good at looking up and and finding men. But I just think they need Crummy back there. To be honest, I don't think even if he's scoring two points from half forward, he'll score that from half back anyway. And he'll add more to their half-back line. So I just think they're missing a step there, having him there, because he was, we didn't really see him in the game against Leash at all. So he's too good a player not to be in a game. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, Paul Ryan and Connell have, Keeney have been on the show. Yeah. They're all, I think everyone's in agreement on Crumby being wing-back, except for Maddie Kenny. And he's all the <laughs> way backroom team, which we couldn't understand here on, uh, on Thursday either. What about Chad Dwyer? I saw a clip of his goal, uh, Mick, and a, a, look, a cheeky goal where he threw it up and it would, lobbed it back over his head into an empty net. It was a lovely goal. He got a sideline, one three in total. Was he playing in yeah. full forward? He came out actually. He was he, like two of the scores were from centre forward. He, he was moving across the line and caught two great balls. Look, he's full of confidence, Sean. He puts himself about and he's physical and he's exactly what what Cheddar would love in in his, in his forward line. It was a great goal. I was actually chatting to Alan Nolan, the Dublin keeper, this, this morning, <laughs> and he said he came out to meet him. And then when he turned, he said, "Oh no, just fifteen yards <laughs> on." <laughs> it was like a, a tennis lob. <laughs> yeah, oh, I can see this happening now. There's nothing you can do. You're in no man's land. He said, and uh, it, it was a great finish because he had the composure. He was still under pressure, so it was a great finish. But um, it's it's one that you'd be sick to give out to to give away in the full back line. Yeah, Aidan McCarthy in the Wexford Clare game, he scored 1-8. And I was going, what? 1-8 from wing back? And then I looked, all right, there's a good few frees and Tony Kelly went off with a dead leg and he went. He took over on the frees and it started making a bit more sense then, yeah. uh, Paul. But he, I think he's played kind of a half-forward, half-back. He was a, a half-forward underage, so he's a free-taker probably with his club as well. Yeah, yeah, and sure, again, it's it's in, in the modern game, it's not uh, anything strange. We're only talking about Chris Crummy drifting from you know half-back to half-forward. So it's not, I suppose it's not at all 
all uncommon at the moment. Um, yeah, but I was. I was surprised to see his name pop up. But then, like you said, when Tony Kelly went off, they, they needed someone to step up. But yeah. uh, it's still a fair shift, you know. One eight is 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 nice going, especially from wing back as well. So, so actually, just on their half back line is Aidan McCarthy, John Conlon, and Dermot Ryan. Like that could be a half forward line. That could be a half forward. <laughs> if you said that that was going to be a line, on <laughs> it the would pitch, say half. You forward, wouldn't be yeah. saying it's the half back line. Yeah. So yeah, look, they're trying something at the moment. Um, again, with Conlon at at, at centre back, and it's probably a reflection of the way teams and management are looking at the game at the moment of you know we're seeing players pop up in different positions and again it's probably trying to say look maybe we have a gap to fill here or else maybe we want to get these players on the ball a bit more so look that was a good result not a good result but 1-8 from wing back was good but I suppose they're looking to get something out of John Conlon there now as centre back as well which might just take him a few games and it'll be interesting to see how that one pans out as well yeah no it definitely will. like I mean the Simon Donoghue goal was a lovely goal I know they needed a goal but that, what like, what a beautiful cross Mick that was like you know there was a, yeah. a, a glaring point on there and it was just a perfect one and I, he just batted it in on the volley like I mean it was a beautiful goal yeah David Dunn had a very good game for Wexford and he found him it's one of them situations really where they were seven points down with less than ten minutes to go and it nearly forces you to go for goal because they, they needed him at that stage. And I'd love to see more teams do it earlier in the game. I know it's very easy to take the points, but that's the difference, I think, with Limerick and Tip and the top teams go where they go for goals throughout the, throughout the game. And it was a great ball, great vision by David Dunhu. And again, we have a half back getting a goal. You know, it was, it was a very good finish with the bat. But I'd just love to see it more often from teams. Like Kenny used to always do it with Paul's team. Like, don't take that easy option. Find that man because. More often than not, there's always someone in and around the square free. It's just lads just take the easy option an awful lot. So he was forced into it with the with the score and ten minutes less than ten minutes to go. It made him take that option, you know. But it was a great great vision anyway. Well, that's the thing. Like, I mean, just to finish up on this point, Paul. Like, Kenny are known for goals, and like the TJ Reid could get a ball on the forty-five, and whatever way his brain can can scan what's in front of him, he's going. There's a goal on here, even yeah. though you know, like, I mean, that a culture thing throughout all the clubs, or is that just a Cody thing, or is that, you know, how is that? How are you, you're just known for goals, so it's just in your psyche, or you know, hmm. going for the juggler. I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 hard to know. Like we we've had great goal scorers over the years, and we kind of brought it into the game. Now I say we, I mean Kilkenny in general. Well before I was there, now um, the likes of we had great goal scorers. DJ started off, but the likes of we always had Eddie Brennan, and we had lads around the goal that were you know you just associate they them with goals not to do with points. It was just goals you were still associating them with. We certainly in training would have always had a thing of right lads goals only and if you have to absolutely run through a fella there'd be also no freeze so it'd be kind of a thing of we might as well just throw the shackles off here and see what you can do so even if you're out around the 65 you're getting the ball and you're turning and you're running towards goal well the lad's going to have to support you now and you get the ball and there's a fella coming at you you could take the point well no it's goals only keep going for goals so we would even play games where that would be the case I'm not saying that's the only reason but we we seem to just had over the few years players who would just turn and go for goals but I think you see that um in teams when the confidence is up and they believe they can go they can go at you and they can go run at you they'll just turn and go for goal it's kind of not, it's nothing to do really with have you been doing it before it's just a killer instinct that a fella gets the ball and they smell blood a, fo- a good forward and they know that you're maybe out on your feet they'll take you on and there's nothing worse that's why you, and Mick could probably tell you when you're a back you're always trying to show that oh no I'm fine even if you're completely out on your legs because if a good forward if he smells blood will go I'm going to test the waters here now and I'm going to turn and run at this fella and if your forwards are going well they should be doing that going well I'm going to take this fella on and let him you know, stop me and and rattle him. You know, so um, yeah. Look, Wexford took the goals. Lee Chin goal is very good as well. Like in yeah. fairness, they worked it from the full back line the whole way up. But like Mick was saying, they would be capable of doing that in the first ten minutes. But when the pressure was on to go for goal, 
they said, right, and they worked it from the full back line straight up and stuck it in the net. Like, they can do that in the first minute if they want. Why don't they? Yeah, yeah. that's the thing. I suppose yeah. there's a conservative nature with it making. Then, I suppose, with players who aren't an Eddie Brennan type character. And I was, well, I know from myself playing Gaelic football, I'd always tap over the point because there's a good chance I'd miss the bloody goal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that kind of way. And it's, sometimes in your head, it's lovely to get off the mark and get a point. And now you're, yeah. you know, the pressure's yeah. kind of out of your head. And I don't know. That's yeah. why I have, a, I have a lot of respect for these players who just, they could have scored nothing but they're still you know out for blood yeah I know it's just when he looks at the likes of Shamie Callan so many of his goals came from half forwards not taking that easy option being 30 or 40 yards out and just zinging it across the goals and a lot of the time full backs are expecting the point and they're maybe 5 yards off their man and then by the time it gets to them because they're so accurate and, and the slitter as you said will travel fast they're like, oh crap, I didn't see that coming. You know, and I think teams could really catch a lot of teams out if they did it more. And like, as you said, that Re- Rexford got two goals because they had to get two goals and they worked the ball up brilliantly. But them options are there throughout the games that they just, I suppose, don't spot. It's not on the radar because we don't need them yet. But that, that, that Lee Ching goal, the one after uh, Simon Dunhill's goal was unbelievable. I thought Connell Flood was unreal, flicking it over a lad's head and running down the line and having the composure to pick Dio Keefe and then Dio Keefe to to Rory O'Connor I thought Rory O'Connor was unreal for Wexford yesterday I love watching him play he gets in people's faces and he's so direct for his running so um, look there were two great goals when we need when Wexford needed them so I'd just love to see them more often yeah no definitely good goals right performance of the weekend I'm going to give it to Barry Heffernan the unsung hero uh, for Tipperary um, did a great job in Fitzgibbon and got himself two points so congratulations uh, to Barry right we'll leave it there lads we'll be back on Thursday and we'll talk to you all then good luck And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So it opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are. And uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.